you're listening to Best Worst Podcast. 38. Jeez. You could almost hear the uh, clink <laughs> there between uh, my Gatorade plastic bottle and, and, my, uh, and my glass Bundaberg ginger beer bottle. <laughs> yeah, so it's not a uh, scotch-driven episode as normal because it's the morning after the uh, 24-hour movie marathon. Yeah, and we thought probably, you know, 11 a.m. was a little early for the, uh, for the scotch. <laughs> Yeah, I think we've had enough mind-warping substances yeah. for one weekend, for sure. Is there something on your back now? <laughs> um, so, yeah, we'd love to tell you about it and give you a blow-by-blow of all the amazing stuff we did yeah. and saw, but... Yeah, but we can't. We so, can't. Uh, so instead... <laughs> yeah, so instead we're going to try something completely different. But it was a great year, and let's uh, yeah, give a shout-out to, um, to Matt Timpson yeah. and the Hollywood and um, some amazing programming choices, some really brave, yeah. clever stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and, and a really uh, interesting... Uh, focus on on having a couple of um, female directors featured up front. Um, yeah, which yeah, is that, fantastic. Yeah, we mentioned the thing about two female directors last mm. podcast, and that number now is officially Double, doubled. Yeah. Which yeah. Uh, I don't know how long they'll be able to keep that trend up for. Yeah. But you know, if they can double it next year, great. If not, yeah, I, yeah it's all good. So um, knowing that um, we've got a few new listeners from the last podcast, and knowing that it was about as obscure and esoteric as you could get, <laughs> uh, I had this sort of idea that. Um, about trying to go sort of maybe not entirely the other way, but do something maybe a bit more personal yeah, and a bit more um, broad, yeah. broad, and um, and say, hey, so we've programmed like what are the crazy most obscure things we'd ever like? But if we look, you know, sort of at ourselves and the sweep of our life, what are the films that made us the film viewers we are today, and maybe to some yeah. extent the people that we are today? Because you know that's all connected. And as you know, events like the marathon show, you know, it's like coming together for that with that group of friends that, you know, we've spent 10 plus years seeing yeah. over and over. And, um, you know, there's, there's no easy way to draw those lines mm. for us anyway. Yeah. So we've come up with a dozen films each, uh, which have had a significant impact on us. And they're not necessarily the, our favorite films or the films we think are the best, but they're yeah. films at various times of our lives had some sort of significant meaning or impact yeah. or change in direction or something. I mean, yeah. I gave a very loose brief and I think mine, I chose a lot that were kind of, turning points yeah and so even if it wasn't that film and so like that some of the films i've seen the most like was anderson's bottle rocket is on here even though like, yeah that was the film that i could say i saw the most uh stanley kubrick's 2001 which i think is you know best film of all time my neighbor totoro a mm. lot of those were films that kind of grew on me over mm. the years and so um the initial encounter with the film didn't really belie the yeah full significance and so for me it was more about catching those aha moments and yeah. also because nobody wants to hear me talk about those a lot of those bloody films again i mean yeah. i haven't talked about bottle rocket much but in general like mm. you know nobody here needs to hear me go on about totoro do yeah. they it's great you see my neighbor totoro it's amazing <laughs> you should um, do you have a ken loach film or we'll find out yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so strange but no no but now that you say that quite <laughs> <laughs> taken why don't you why don't you get started okay so my first film is something that i probably wouldn't talk about in any other forum when i was young my mum used to take my brother and i to films and my mum is not a big film watcher um yeah. so and she prefers kind of more realistic style things and so uh, over the years we've been to the odd one here or there although we did go to see um titanic with her and my brother i think when it everyone saw titanic except uh, for me with but everyone mom, yeah yeah it was, it was right i don't think it was her most excited film but yeah so the first one i've got down here was what i kind of remember is maybe my first film in cinema possibly it's somewhere around there it was um a disney live action film called um from the, from 1960 which played in cinema in gisborne called um swiss family robinson and it was just like a 
family is on a trip, get attacked by pirates, end up on an island, kind of Robinson Crusoe yeah. fashion, I guess. And it was based off a book, and it was a remake of a, of, of a version made in the 40s, I think. Um, yeah, I, mm. I, I don't remember a lot about it, except that this is the, the start of my journey in Sinai right. with, with my mum and my brother. And then, and how old were you? Did you uh, say? I would have been probably six or right. five. Seven. And that, so you think that's your first movie in the theater? Um, yeah, possibly. I might have been a little bit younger. I'm not yeah. sure. I can't remember. It was like in the haze of the seventies when I was quite young. And then from that point onwards, my mum would take us to a few movies. Dad was, I guess, working or away. He used to be a petrol tanker driver and would be out of the um, town for days at a time. Right. And then my brother um, and I, once we got a bit older, would go by ourselves um, and mum and dad would drop us off to various things. But yeah, so that's Swiss Family Robinson, family adventure movie. Not the kind of thing I'd probably revisit now, but we're kind of in the vein of, um, I remember seeing some of the Lassie films at, around that time and also... And where was this in the country? In Gisborne. Gisborne, yeah. yeah. And so is it that old theatre in Gisborne? There, there were the, two. There was oh, the, right. um, the Odeon and the name of the other one, which all little towns had yeah okay <laughs> uh, the regent the regent, the regent the Odeon, okay. which were kind of like the, the names of cinema I, I that's right because i've seen this changed. around anywhere yeah, yeah. everywhere yeah I don't yeah think they were changed so much as just as, that, as just what you call yeah, a theater yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the other film that i did see around that time which sort of comes to mind as well was a 76 drama called storm boy which is an australian film i've never heard of that it, it's another kind of nature adventure thing but this one was about a boy who has a special relationship with um um a pelican okay yeah yeah so, what about your first one? Yeah, so I the first one I put down was not the first film I saw. I told yeah. a very boring, boring story about that on um, Peter Labuse's podcast, The Cinephiliacs, because oh, yeah. that's what he asks every guest. It's oh, like yeah. the first movie. And I'm like, I think it's 2001. I don't really remember these funny memories like that, but I probably went on mm. for eight minutes. Um, but I thought about, like, you know, I mean, I, I was mostly a cinephile as an adult rather than oh, a yeah. kid, so I don't have, like... You know, oh, when I was watching Nightmare on Elm Street at eight, and then, you know, and my dad watched, you know, black and white, um, you know, so I remember watching Foreign Correspondent when I was nine or, you know, whatever. Um, so I'm like, what? what's the film from my youth that really stuck yeah. with me? Because, again, my parents aren't big. You know, they took yeah. us to the cinema when we wanted. Yeah. Um, but, like, I just talked to them the other day, and they're like, we went to the theater for our first time in 18 months to see a movie, A Bad Mom's Christmas, which is the release name for Bad Moms 2 in America. Um, so... So they, they, you know, my dad actually has quite good tastes, and and like he talks about um, growing up and watching Bergman and Antonioni oh, movies wow. when they were in, yeah. you know, because in the '60s that stuff was all really in circulation. Yeah. But you know, like growing up in the '80s, that stuff was out of circulation, yeah. and it was, you know, and it wasn't exactly quick to get on videotape or whatever. Yeah. And um, so there, there, you know, there, there probably would have been ways, but his level of interest did not extend to finding those ways and yeah. so I didn't um so um but actually Stranger Things reminded me of just how much Ghostbusters meant to me as a kid uh-huh. like and if I have to pick one film yeah. from my youth that you know it's like bought the t-shirt got the Halloween costume bought the soundtrack saw a bunch of times really idolize that whole kind of like you know you can be super smart about something and somehow i mean there were a lot of films like that at the time like cloak and dagger and last starfighter that yeah. were more kid oriented like hey if you're very good at video games you know or whatever mm-hmm. and i think ghostbusters has actually aged terribly i watched it a few years back oh, and I'm yeah. like it's just so sexist and kind of really gross and unfun ways to me but yeah to me that's that's like if i think of what a pure good time of like Mm. If I put all the other kind of like things that I think about movies and everything aside and I'm just like, you know, what what kind of experience do you want to have? It's like 
I want to have kind of a Ghostbusters experience where I just go in. Mm. It's an original concept. It's funny. It's a bit scary, um, but not. It doesn't have to be. You know, it doesn't have to be specifically those things. But it takes you on a ride, mm. and you come out of it, and you've seen stuff you've never seen before on screen. Yeah. And it's not like three people trying to get energy crystals and a big <laughs> hole in the sky with six million things. It's a giant marshmallow man. Yeah, yeah. You know, there are things that are clever and surprising and funny. Yeah. That you, and you know, has you know, just it's just like entertainment. Think, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think like a lot of the time because. I talk about often obscure stuff. It's like, I, you know, that's not everything that there was mm. or is to it, you know? And yeah. so that's that's why I wanted to tip one out for Ghostbusters. And also just because, wouldn't it be great if we had, like... I mean, you think about the films like Gremlins and all those other... Those consistently original concepts, yeah. you know? It's like, if I could go see those kind of original movies yeah. several times a year, who knows? Maybe I would have never gotten into art house. I'd just be like, hey, it's another awesome film, you yeah. know? Um, but then again, as I say, Ghostbusters doesn't seem that awesome now, so... Yeah. But it's also, you know... Mm. My, my second film is probably in that camp of yeah. just... Um, of great entertainment, but... <laughs> and I joke, um, because I, I do watch this sort of semi-regularly, and I think it's aged well. <laughs> Melissa yeah. would argue otherwise, even though I make her watch it. <laughs> I do think. It's um, The Karate Kid, the original one. John G. Avilson, 1984... I could not have told you who directed The Karate Kid before today. Yeah, yep. Um, Probably not after today either. <laughs> no, he's he's kind of he, a famous few, name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he did flight one of the flights of the something or other. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Actually, he has done a few other films, but he's not massive. Yeah. yeah. Um, that film was just like as a kid. I mean, it was based on on kids in high school yeah. um, and a kid who's moving to a new place trying to find his, mm. and he's from like a poor neighborhood it actually has quite a few issues stacked into it and for an 80s film which were kind of like stereotypically 90 minutes um, yeah. it was long it was like closer to two hours and it had a real kind of it was very mainstream but it had a real kind of dramatic heft to it I thought like, yeah, yeah. like it explores issues of, I mean I saw it when it came out as well yeah, and, I, and yeah. I mean you know it's, it's definitely one of those that would yeah. be up there in like the top sort of 25 of yeah. like films that meant something to me when yeah. I was a kid, you know? Because it explores issues of things like intergenerational relationships and like mentorship. Yeah, um, yeah. It had... Cross-cultural um, stuff, Cross-cultural yeah. relationships and, and, and dealing with racism. Um, yeah. Does, I mean, have you been back to re- visit it recently? Yeah, yeah. A, does couple, it a couple of years ago. Does it hold up in any sort of sensitive way or is it just a bit... No, I think... It, um, I, I like it's it's definitely got its... It's of its time and place and yeah, it's got yeah. some cheesy and kind of cringe moments, but actually I think it holds up reasonably well. Okay. Like, um... There's like the class divide thing because he comes from he moves from a poor part of um, Newark, New Jersey to um, the coast in LA where everyone is um, kind of tanned and and yeah. feel like they're beautiful and he's a real fish out of water but he also comes from a sort of poor neighborhood falls in love with a girl at his local school who's from a rich area but then again she kind of proves a pretty decent character as well like she's got some grit to her and she puts him in yeah, his place yeah. when he starts being a dick and um, and says actually what you're saying is unfair and you know, it's got some really quite good dramatic um and character weight to it oh that was one of the films that i had i'd seen in the cinema and i got it on vhs and then, then i just watched it on repeat what year was it 84 right okay because i think i'm gonna use the karate kid for halloween or something as well oh, yeah, yeah. well because i did judo for a very short time oh, yeah. i was terrible but i had like yeah. a judo thing yeah after i can't remember if it was after that I, I did karate. Oh man, martial arts kicked off yeah, for a yeah. few years there. Everyone wanted to do I did, something. I did karate for about four years. Kids were buying nunchucks. Yeah. It was the, <laughs> yeah. living the dream if you were owned a dojo. So, so I still love that film and I still watch it. I mean, 
And so just the, the sequel's all lamentable, but <laughs> yeah, it's funny. One of the things about not not having kids is it makes it much less likely for you have the chance to kind of enjoy those. Films. Have you shown them to your kids? Uh, not that one yet. I think they're probably is a little too young yet. Yeah, I mean, they could probably watch that. We've we've shown them um, like ET, right? Uh, yeah, and and a few other um, ones, but I. Well, we'll get to those eventually. I mean, just, I mean, I think it's probably something more of interest as opposed yeah. to actual, like, an, yeah. although, I mean, the high school bullying stuff yeah. maybe is a bit intense. And... I mean, I, I wasn't particularly bullied. I, a little bit. I experienced a little bit of bullying. Not heaps, but I, I, I very much moved town a few times when I was a kid um, and moved just before the start of high school mm. at the end of intermediate school um, to a new city from Invercargill to Auckland, yeah. having been from Gisborne to Invercargill. Um, and growing up in a relatively... I never really thought of myself particularly poor, but a relatively poor neighbourhood to a school in uh, East Auckland that was known as the grammar of the East Auckland McLean, right, which yeah. was in a very kind of well-to-do neighbourhood, um, and it was completely outside my experience. And I had a similar kind of Not experience. Yeah, yeah, like I, I had, had the wrong clothes, the wrong shoes. Right. <laughs> I, I was told quite... You probably didn't even know there could be a yeah, such yeah, a thing yeah, as the wrong yeah, shoes. Exactly, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. And, yeah, it was it was uh, very much that I sort of connected with that fish out of water experience. And, yeah, mm. yeah. I chose for a second one, um, the first R-rated film that I remember seeing, one that I am... And in the States, R-rating means that your parents have to take you. It's kind of more equivalent to an M here. Oh, okay. So it's like, uh, you must have an adult accompany. It's very strange, because they don't actually have an equivalent to it here. So it really limits parental discretion in a strange way in New Zealand, you know? Whereas um, you either can take your... Your kid can go alone... Or your kid can't go, as opposed to, oh, I think they're strong enough to handle, yeah. you know, Jake, even though it's R13 and they're 12 or whatever. I think they have PG now, or they have a forgotten Oh, yeah, there, there are yeah. RP13s, and so, yeah. um, like, Orphans and Kingdoms, I yeah, think, yeah. was one, yeah. So, to be fair, they do, in the increasingly complex web of that, yeah. and 13 Reasons Why, that was read that as well. RP13 and RP16 when I was growing up, I yeah. remember. Okay, so I, yeah, that's <coughs> my mistake then, yeah, because yeah. th- those were really rare for a long time at the box office. I think they're starting to use them more, a oh, yeah. little bit, but they're still rare enough that I, I mean, lots of people that I know look at them. Anyway, so Revenge of the Nerds. Yep. Um, ah, yeah, yeah. I, I was obsessed with university, like I, I yeah. or was, we, we would call it college. Yeah. I just was always like, so I was always interested in college stuff. I remember reading... Eric Segal, who wrote Love Story, I read a book called Class that he wrote because it was about going to Harvard. And then oh, the time cool. after that, like, I was like around 12 or something like that. Oh, really? You know, <laughs> I was like, just like, one of those, like, you know, and just like the whole, like, um, and my parents would say things to me, like, growing up, like, you know, because, uh, yeah, I mean, I was probably, I mean, I went to the same school system all my life yeah. uh, growing up. We, my parents still live in the same house. Oh, right. So yeah. it's not. Um, as 1978 when I was five. So it's like, it was, there was never that kind of dislocation, but there was a lot of like, you know, I was a geek. I was, you know, geeky. I was, you know, not athletic and, you know, and I I mean, you know, nothing that like was really traumatic is full of bullying, but you know, it kind of low pressure fear Mm. and taunting and stuff like that kind of thing. So, and I remember my mom telling me once, you know, if anyone ever says that, High school is the best year of your life, years of your life, they're wrong. Which is the thing people say. And I'm like, oh, that's good. And she's like, the best years of your life are college. And I'm like, yeah. or university. I'm yeah. like, so that only delays it four years? That still sounds like a pretty bad deal. Um, but um, regardless, I still was prepped to think that. Yeah, yeah. And so, so yeah, so I went to Revenge of the Nerds. And 
I I, I went to with just my mom and I, which basically, given that it's a sex farce, is (laughs) kind of uncomfortable, but also the fact that I really had no idea what sex was and people kind of laying on each other with parts off camera and stuff like that. Like, I missed lots of things, but it was like, you know, there were lots of... It's kind of like... Actually, in retrospect, Real Genius would be a similar film in yeah. some ways. You know, just people being validated for being smart again. I think I think that was always something that was quite important to me. Um, and just that kind of like, ooh, you know, I think, you know, looking beyond to what's next. The other reason I put it in, which is um, kind of a darker reason, really, is um, I haven't gone back to watch it. Um, but... Somebody pointed out a long time afterwards, of course, that one of the key scenes in Revenge of the Nerds, one of the nerds dresses up in a Darth Vader costume, pretending to be the frat guy who's oh, got a hot yeah. cheerleader, and like un- in a wacky prank, winds up um, having you know con- yeah. essentially ha- you know having sex with her and under false pretenses, pretenses yeah. which you know we would like to call under today, yeah, pretty much rape, right. yeah. you know, and. Um, I think if you, and when you think about the things that shape your life about films, you know, yeah. you kind of have to take the good and the bad. And I, and this is not a prelude to a horrible story about how when I was in university, I put on a Darth Vader costume. <laughs> I had a very uneventful university. <laughs> but it is about kind of like the funny way in which mm. all these attitudes that you don't even think of have got under your skin through yeah. movies. And, yeah. and like kind of until you start burrowing, it's like, wow, there'll be a lot of... Because, you know, Revenge of the Nerds is like, oh, you know, I think maybe one of them gets a girlfriend or something, but it's mostly about hanging out with cool, smart guys, yeah. and guys are really smart, and, you know, women don't really have much agency or whatever. And I could be remembering bits of it wrong. There may be actually, you know, several strong, really well-developed female characters that have just slipped from mind. But let's be mm. honest, you know. Yeah. Even if there was, you know. I, yeah, it's mostly about the guys. Yeah, yeah and, and there's... there's okay. So, yeah, so... Yeah, Booger. You remember? Uh, that's right, Booger. Wow. So yeah, I mean, and and yeah, things like Police Academy that I would watch around the same time and all that. You know, yeah. there's like so much of, you know, Mash. You know, you remember like it was always just an excuse to like pull down the tent on the one female yeah. one, so she was naked and would run. So I think like when I kind of try to say what is all this stuff brought into me, it's like that's something that's in there, and however it comes out, you know, all the yeah. all, it comes out in different ways, and hopefully it comes. Out, you know, slowly and safely yeah, and yeah. and discharged into a place that you never have to... And then we can unpick... Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think it's I think it's an interesting part of the exercise that I don't want to yeah. dwell on too much, but I did want to acknowledge. Yeah, I did... I, I, I remember enjoying the sort of college... And you know, like just like the high school um, comedy romance sort of films, I got into those things. Mm. I mean, from a different space, though, I never... Um, I was the first person in my family to go to university in my, mm. in my extended, extended family so but like there was, there was never something kind of talked about because it right, was, yeah. wasn't an experience anyone had had and so it just seemed like the strange American thing college films um, yeah because there really aren't any classic like New Zealand university films are there I mean I guess like when you get to the 90s Scarfies. you get Scarfies yeah. but like but, growing yeah. up you wouldn't no. have had like yeah. you know but other than that um, yeah, no, New, Z- really. New Zealand's Animal House or whatever <laughs> yeah, you know yeah, no. um, the no, co- and, college and, comedy was such a genre and, and you know because we didn't really have things like we don't have that whole kind of um, sororities and fraternities, fraternities yeah. that, that whole system didn't exist as anything right. we understood and so it, it was like some strange other world to us kind of like band camp 
yeah, yeah, yeah. They, everything like that is a strange other world. Yeah, yeah. So I've like, got so much mileage out of Bandcamp stories, man. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, totally that, that yeah. stuff is like just it's like some sort of fantasy and from somewhere we don't understand, but it's funny. So it's kind of it's kind of like this the same way that Star Wars or something is shared canon, except it's a yeah. real thing. But it, you know, yeah, might yeah, as well yeah, yeah, not yeah. be. And, and the way that stuff gets stylized in a film, you know. I mean, yeah. I went to a university without fraternities or sororities, mm. so it didn't end deliberately because mm. I think in part because I watched films like Revenge of the Nerds, no, and I was like, if that's what a fraternity is, screw that. Yeah, yeah, and um, so I went to Rice University in part because it didn't yeah. have those. And you know, and I feel like that was just such a more egalitarian way than like finding some people and they'll be like, oh, if you t- pass this duel of wits and yeah. skill and drinking, then you can come and hang out with us and try to bag sorority chicks. Nah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to do awesome shit. Leave me alone. Yeah. <laughs> What's your number three? Okay, my number three is possibly, I, and I must have talked about this before. This is poss- this is <laughs> this is actually the film I've watched the most of my life still. Yeah, and I still watch it at least once a year, usually. Well, uh, there might have been a there might have been the odd year in my life that I haven't watched it, but there'd be far and few and far between. Yeah, which is David Lynch's June from mm-hmm. nineteen eighty four, and it gets a lot. Of, it gets a bad rap from a bunch of people um, as being a crappy kind of thing, and then he distanced himself from it because of the edit issues and various yeah, other yeah. stuff. But as a young boy. This just blew my mind wide apart in terms of cinema. I mean, I love sci-fi, I love fantasy, I, I, I read that stuff, I love the movies around it. Yeah. But just things, there was, I mean, this had that. Had you read the books before? No, I read the books okay. after watching okay. this. Yeah. Um, and so I read through all the Frank Herbert series after yeah. this, and I've subsequently watched the remakes. And have you watched all, like, the Brian Herbert and all those, like, like when it's in there? I, I, I've read some of those. I, had, right, I yeah. didn't keep right into all of his stuff, but I've sort of read the, watched the subsequent kind of miniseries remakes of June and, and, mm. and um, going into the... You know, June Sire and Golden June, all that kind of stuff. Mm. Children of June, but at the time, this thing just blew me open. Like, um, it had a a, a famous designer, production designer, or makeup and costume designer. I feel like it was someone. Oh, I'm probably getting it wrong. I can't remember, but I thought it was someone like Gautier or something like that. Um, just these. Oh yeah, yeah. These, You're right. There is. Yeah. There's um these sort of mad, wicked designs, and and having seen um the do- documentary about Jodorowsky's Dune, yeah, yeah. and like the they took some of the concept design for characters that was taken from um, what's the artist the Giger 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 yeah, yeah. Giger's um, art design are, are that sort of I think that made its way into Alien as well didn't it um, uh, yeah, no, yeah. Oh, I don't remember the exact yeah. order but, but, yeah. Um, but yeah so I, they took in some of that design work as well yeah. um, into Lynch's version when um, when Jodorowsky's folded yeah. um, Jodorowsky's Dune is a really interesting yeah. movie to yeah. watch if you have any Dune interests yeah, yeah. at all, and the, then, that's not actually yeah. a version of Dune. It's a documentary about the film that never got made. But yeah, it's called it, Jodorowsky's yeah, Dune, yeah, quote unquote. Yeah, and, uh, yeah the, um, he's director of Holy Mountain. Anyway, yeah, side note. But yeah, so David Lynch's Dune, it was just full to the brim of fantastic costume designing. I mean, and I'm really fascinated about how you keep coming back to the costumes. Is that really a big thing for you? Yeah, in, in this film, yeah. well, maybe not in every film, but in yeah. this film, it was something like I'd never seen. It was so right. um, so distinct and out there character design that was really out there uh, like everyone complains about like the overuse of um of narration because they couldn't they got cut down so much they had to explain stuff right you yeah, know, yeah. Exposition via narration. but i actually kind of like this kind of disembodied voice floating around talking as a means of doing things which like wasn't like because i'm i didn't didn't watch a lot of noir films growing up i hadn't sort of heard a lot of that yeah, yeah. um you know it's the start of um i think pretty much the start of um of Lynch's relationship with 
Carl McLaughlin? Yeah, Carl no, McLaughlin. Who's yeah. in Blue Velvet, though? Oh, yeah. all right. Was that before June? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. But anyway, there was... Oh, wait. Was no, it the other way around? You're right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so yeah. that was the start of it. Because Blue Velvet was the apology yeah. for Dune. Yeah. And, or and, not his apology, but like, yeah. And it had, you know, some great other... Like, it was my first experience of um, Patrick Stewart, um, who played um, Patrick Gurney. Patrick Stewart in it? Yeah, wow. he, he's, he's one of okay, his yeah. mentors. Of, like, we might have actually had this conversation before, because yeah. I... Everything yeah. about June goes in and out of my head, yeah. except that I had the board game. Ah, did you have yeah. the board game? No, no. Yeah, I don't know if it came out here, but I remember that. But I've got a. Melissa bought me one birthday with a tin box set that has like the extended version, which wow. has, which has like extra bits on um on, on cardboard things as an exposition at the front where they've got like <laughs> these painted up mock-ups of possible pre-scenes and. Oh, it's oh my gosh! Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I love that film, and it it really did kind of exp- open my mind to to different ways of just stand outside the standard mainstream like Karate Kid was fantastic and I love that film but it was a certain mold of film and June sort of opened me to kind of I guess looking at some maybe B grade or, or just exploring film outside yeah. of a narrative story right yeah yeah. I started appreciating stuff outside mm. the narrative and that yeah so just the cinematography the art design the production design all that kind of stuff started yeah jumping the thing about it is a whole art yeah yeah, yeah so I guess my it- aesthetic awakening to film as it were was actually in a really much more naturalist setting which was um i think i might have talked about this when we talked about soderbergh but with sex lies and video oh, yeah, yeah. um because i rem- i just have this vivid memory of going to um the second run theater in um d- in one of the detroit suburbs um and seeing it for two or three bucks and i'd I think I just turned 17, so being able to go to R-rated movies, oh, yeah. or maybe I hadn't quite, but I went with my older friends, and they didn't really care too much, especially if you bought concessions, so yeah. whatever. And I just remember, I'll never forget that, like, very early, the opening credit sequence, which is entirely just um, shot from a moving car pointed towards the tarmac. And oh, so yeah. it's an incredibly cheap, like, kind of texture but i just found it like instantly fascinating and interestingly probably later that like would help me was like kind of like if i had pursued that more and got into the avant-garde yeah. like 10 years earlier things would i would have probably gone in a way different direction uh-uh. but i didn't um but it was also the first film i saw at the time i didn't know any of the actors there was no big stuff it was all kind of human stories you know and i was yeah. i was a big reader during my high school year i mean i'm still a big reader but especially then i was doing a lot of novel reading um, I'd kind of, I'd had my huge sci-fi and spec yeah. fiction and Kurt Vonnegut yeah. and all that. And then I was starting to, you know, have to read more serious stuff for, uh, school. And so getting, you know, and being like, oh, and you know, this kind of, you've got to wrestle with the greats, you know, yeah. and read, you know, Fitzgerald and all this stuff. Yeah. And I, I was pretty intermittently lazy about it, but I, I'd try at least, yeah. you know? And so I, and so I was starting to get into more like kind of, um, real human drama, I guess you'd yeah. say. And so that film just stuck with me because it was, you know, just, it was just a human drama, but it had this awards kind of, you know, and so had this, you know, aura around it as being important in a way. And so that brought me into it. And, um, and I think if I had like immediately gone to a university where I'd fallen in a film department, it would be the film that got me into film. Yeah. And it wasn't really because I, but it was sort of the, I, I mean, I'm somebody that often it takes like a few hits on the side of the head before I wake up. It's like, oh, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. And I think of that as the first hit on the side of the head. Yeah. Um, And it took a few more years to uh, look over and see what was hitting me on the side of the head. Mm. But but that was the one. Oh, wow, cool. Yeah. Mm. See, I didn't didn't see that until I um, 
Bird, you'll copy and watch it. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I don't even know what kind of release it had here, or if it was just yeah. a festival film or it whatever. Would have, I mean, it would have come out on video. Or something, yeah, it yeah. wasn't. It wasn't huge in the states, but it yeah. got theatrical, and yeah. you know, and um, it was a thing, and you know, people would have heard of it. I mean, around this time, like I'd kind of, I did have a, this weird little mini obsession with film, where it was like somewhere around this time, I like my parents got a subscription to the New York Times. And I cut out all the ads from films for, oh, yeah, for a year yeah. and a half, and I have a notebook somewhere that has oh, wow. like you know these big like yeah I th- I think that was like that might have been from like late high school oh, or yeah. sorry late middle school, and then um, my dad worked for a company uh, he just retired from them actually that does these big research gr- books and one of them oh, is yeah. the Video Hound Golden Retriever Movie Guide oh, wow. and so it would list like. Yeah, it'd be like an Ebert film guy yeah, or any yeah, other yeah, one, yeah. except their their rating was one bone to four bones, <laughs> reserving the uh, yeah. notorious woof yeah. for the worst films. And so I I remember making a list of films I should see, yeah. and like oh, my dad God. bringing home a Clockwork Orange once, and oh. yeah, some other kind, you know, because he he's like, oh, this is an important film you should yeah. see, and you know, we'd had yeah. a VCR at this point. I almost put down like you know, we got a VCR in middle school, and we watched mm. you know, rented Romancing the Stone and Footloose, and then rented yeah. some other stuff. He brought Pele the Conqueror, I think, home once he's like oh we should watch a foreign film and so we tried that but it didn't kind of register with me that might have been another hit on the head that was kind of more like a glancing blow with like a a piece of loose leaf paper (laughs) um but yeah so there there were a few like kind of filmy things that were percolating yeah but that like to me that sex lies in videotape screening encapsulates yeah it most perfectly Mm. well i'm i'm still back in the in the um sort of early high school era after I um, obsessively watched Karate Kid, but then June, I I got June on videotape, and um, I was that it. your first videotape? Uh, I I don't know, I can't remember, but I wore it out. I watched it like I could quote the thing end to end for many years, and I could mm. probably tell you where it's like if someone yeah. came up a quote, I could tell you where it came from. I have really have watched this film <laughs> a ridiculous number of times. Um, and Dad saw that I was into film, and as it turns out, Dad is actually quite into like he quite enjoys watching challenging. Um, slightly more avant-garde cinema but he just right. never did it much because he was always working and, right, and yeah. didn't realise but once he realised that I was quite into seemed to be into cinema and, and thing and, and he's around more at this point or is he still uh, yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He, I mean he, he was never away away but he would be away for days and then yeah, be yeah. home for yeah but um, yeah so he was working shift work but we were around and he realised that I was into movies so we started going just me and him which oh, was cool. kind of cool yeah. and so I have strong memories of him taking me two particular Movies in, in Auckland City. It was not long after in Auckland. Um, the first one was uh, Full Metal Jacket, and I was too young, but um, yeah. Wait, how? So like, I would have been twelve, thirteen. Maybe? Oh my god! I, how were you, how are you allowed in? I was, I, I was eighty-seven. No, I would have been thirteen, maybe fourteen. Fourteen, maybe. 13. Isn't it our eighteen or now? Uh, it was probably our sixteen. Right. Dad okay. would have just sneaked. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Um, but he thought I would cope with it, and I did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and that was fantastic. We and we also went to see the mission, which I just rewatched yes, a couple yeah. of recently. Um, which I hadn't seen. How did it hold up for you? Uh pretty good. Yeah. 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 I, I, it's probably not everyone's cup of tea, but it's very well made. Um, and I, I find the 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 story pretty interesting. I mean, it's mm-hmm. interesting to have seen it uh, in the light of something like um the Brace of the Serpent. Um, right. Yeah. True. Uh, where you've yeah. got an indigenous perspective on that similar kind of story of missionaries coming in, and but it's still as a story, it's pretty 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 good and very well written and acted and what have you and beautiful yeah. cinematography and yeah and I have like strong memories of that film of the waterfall scene of the priest tied to the cross thrown down that yeah um, but Full Metal Jacket I mean I have 
strong, <laughs> strong memories of that as well. Um, and I, you know, something to watch. You would have had some new lines to share at school yeah, the yeah, next day. Yeah, yeah. But, but for me, that was more about, I guess, a relationship with my dad that sort of continued on. And um, one of my later films in the list is about um, probably the last film I saw with dad, which was quite a few years ago now because he lived in Wellington for a long time. It was a big um, sort of visitor to the Paramount. And, and right, yeah. I lived in Patoni, so he'd go to the Lighthouse Center quite a bit there. Um, but last few times I've been in Wellington has been a very limited time so we've caught yeah. up for, for a meal or something but we haven't had time to go right, yeah. Um, yeah so that again expanded my film watching horizons as a 14 year old mm. seeing Stanley Kubrick um, uh, having seen a few kind of war films at that stage and then seeing this one going oh hey yeah that's something yeah, else yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, but what was there a specific thing about this Full Metal Jacket is very episodic yeah so yeah yeah I mean you've, you got, know, you've got, we'll the, you've got the, train, the basic training yeah. stuff I mean there's like looking at the dehumanizing sort of basic training basic training segment to the point where you know someone commits suicide and um Mm. and that kind of stuff and how how that messes with people and then you kind of hear stories later on about people coming back from war and they're completely messed up right from the start right from the training through to the experiencing Mm. horrors and then and then trying to live again in a normal way yeah, I mean, there's not really a fourth act where they yeah. try to live again yeah, in a yeah, normal no, way, but, but that's... But yeah, but it's yeah. very much like from there to the jungle part and into the city. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 a, it's a film that people want to talk more about the first It's brutal act, ugly yeah. and, yeah. yeah, looking at, I, I guess, the hopelessness of war and... And and is your next film a high school film as well? Um, it is one that I saw... Yeah, when I was in high school, yeah. Do you want to maybe just... Okay, I mean, yeah, I, I'm quite yeah, ahead of yeah. you chronologically. While I'm in university, you're still back seeing all your important yeah. films. Okay, so, so. Um, I, um, this one, next one is kind of what got me into B-movies, I guess. Well, I mean, coming off June into B-movies. I, yeah. In high school, I had a couple of... I had some friends who were two brothers who were just slightly older. One was slightly older and the other was just like a few years older. I'm still quite good friends with the older one, Um but his and his his brother Andy is now living over in Australia. Has been in Australia for a long time. But yeah. they would organise movie nights with me and some friends. Like we would get a whole bunch of VHSs. But they they were kind of you know, the choice after this is my first kind of art housey film was yeah, that yeah. my friend John introduced me to, um, and he would take us along to um, the um, Capitol Cinema in Dominion Road in high school. To, yeah. to Sarah talks it. about how she always used to go yeah, there. Yeah. You know, it's like, let's go to the Capitol. And, and everyone yeah. would be like, oh my God, we're coming from, you know, yeah. Browns Bay to Auckland <laughs> to the Capitol and see an art yeah. film. Yeah, well, know? we'd see such classics as like, I remember seeing Serial Mom there, um, Man Bites Dog. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if you guys wound up at one of the yeah. same screenings Baraka. along the way. Uh, you know, have, yeah, I think uh, she saw Man Bites Dog there, Henry yeah. Portrait of Serial Killer. Yeah. You know? Yeah, um, but um, so this one was um, on actually we saw it on VHS, and this was a, again this was a New Zealand film, yeah. and this was our first. This was Peter Jackson's Bad Taste, <laughs> and so this was something we'd heard about. Yeah. It was like this is this crazy messed up film, and for us it was, was like, it a film that like everyone knew that everyone talked about. Well, I mean, not, high, not yeah, necessarily it's seen, but like high school kind boys, of rep, yeah, and well, like I mean, probably high school girls as well. But I, I was mostly hanging around with high school <laughs> yeah, boys. Yeah, yeah, um, uh, yeah. In our group, yeah, definitely everyone had heard of it, and we're like, oh, we've got to see this film. We've got to get yeah. it. We'll, we'll get it on VHS, and it was a thing. It was a New Zealand film that as young um young people that were into like genre and wanted to see something kind of slightly um transgressive in some ways and, and just like uh can do sort of something put together on the cheap but that was done quite well and was funny um and this was a film unlike other new zealand films we'd seen to that point particularly the ones yeah. that were kind of coming out of cinema which were they might have been humorous but they, they felt like they were made by old people yeah um, yeah and they they didn't have a sensibility that kind of and you wouldn't have seen like david blythe's films or no, anything no, like that no, like angel mine and all no. that because that was the only other kind of no 
Yeah. And and I mean, not that they were all bad films, but this felt like something more raucous and mm, more yeah. youth sort of thing. And so that was fantastic. And I remember I have a great memory of seeing it in my friend's lounge, and then we had a big sleepover, and we watched a big string of them. But it was like, <laughs> and then we had a massive kind of pillow fight, and I remember the pillow had it. So we were in the, in the dark, and then we turned the lights on, and we felt something, and what the pillow I was using it exploded and covers entirely. <laughs> Man, sleepovers are great. Yeah, I, just, yeah, yeah. I mean, I just all of a sudden have this memory of watching the Doors at a sleepover yeah, yeah. with friends, and the um, the Blob, the remake, yeah. and um, yeah, the Fog. Like when we were oh, like, yeah. it was like that. I think I t- talked about this last time, maybe, but it was like that kind of like it's a sleepover, and it's like oh, it's like eleven p.m., and so yeah. it's like the network cut version, and you're watching it because that's as. Um, you know, that's as risky as yeah. it got in my peer group. And I've got another one at that same sort of thing, which was at a separate sleepover. The same guy, Andy, sort of brought it to it, was um, was another sort of B-movie. Right. And um, an international one called How Comes to Frogtown. Okay. And so that was a, like a Rowdy Roddy Piper pre-They um, Live. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, this is uh, 88, I think. Yeah. Um, I've heard of it, but I've never seen it. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a like, terrible um, sci-fi fantasy premise where... Um, right. Where... Men have become sterile, women have taken over the world, and he's the one fertile man left. And then there's a race of lizard men come in and are attacking humans. Uh, right. And so, Frogtown is where the lizards are, and Sam Hell helping. Oh, to I see, yeah. yes. <laughs> it was silliness, but it was that got me into the whole B kind of exploitation movie sort of. Right, so yeah, between zone. those yeah, two, yeah. yeah. Which I was not into at all in high school, and not for a long time, yeah. you know? I was just like. Um, this is toward the end of my high school as well. I was yeah. like about six or seven of them. Yeah. But for the most part, like, I'd watch the occasional fun movie, but I feel like I certainly wasn't... Anything that I was serious about, I got kind of serious about. Yeah. Except for music. Like, I was very punk rock about music. But, like, with books, you know, it would be like, yeah. what are the best books to... You know? Oh, yeah, <laughs> Like, yeah. what, you know... They, it wouldn't have been David Foster Wallace then, yeah. but, you know, been like, you know, you're supposed to read yeah. Aldous Huxley and James Joyce, yeah, yeah. and, you know, you're supposed to read Sound and the Fury, you know, go, yeah. and so I had this copy of Sound and the Fury that just, <laughs> yeah, I've still never opened, I've still never read, and it just, yeah. it just doesn't appeal as a way to spend time, and, you know, I mean, but I, you know, I, I, I did do Ulysses, James Joyce Ulysses with yeah. some friends in the study guide over a year, so, I mean, I did have some discipline. So is your oh, next film yeah, still yeah, high school? Okay, so I'll, give, I'll do one more and then you can do a run on okay. the maybe. Um, I have a few that fit together, yeah, so that's so just my, as well. My last, my last one, which was the end of high school, and this was my first art house film. So this is my um, the Andy's brother, yeah. John, yeah. Um, set up a screening for us um, of a couple of films. And this was um, the first time I've watched a kind of what I would think of an art house film. So this was Peter Greenaway's um, The Cook, The Thief, His Wife and Her Lover from 1989, <laughs> which was um, Helen Mur- young Helen Mirren, Michael Gambon, um, yeah. Tim Roth was in it, Karen Hines, um, and Richard Boring. I think was one of the so I had a characters. friend who worked at a movie theater yeah. at the time, and I've still never seen Cook the Thief, His Wife, and yeah. Her Lover, but like we're all asking him about it because it was notorious yeah. in the States. Yeah. I think it was like an NC-17. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it just, I mean, it's just notorious generally. Yeah. Um, ironically, I think his Prospero's <coughs> books would have been one of the first art house ah. films I saw as well because it, it came out our senior year of high school yeah. and we were reading The Tempest <coughs> for Advanced English and so a few of us went to see Prospero's books oh, together yeah. and we're like, oh, that's kind of interesting. It's a little arty. And I don't think, we, you know, we had no kind of sense of like, you know, there's like, mainstream movies and then yeah. there's this movie but like kind of no sense of a spectrum of art house yeah. so it's like well I, I, yeah. I had no real kind of sense and then John started taking us to these films and then it was like oh wow okay so this was very much a kind of um, I, I like the, the one of the big things I remember about it was its use of colour and, and, and in a very and very like very obvious specific way so every scene 
have well every room in the like the, the film was very locked down it's mostly set in a restaurant and the bathroom in the restaurant and one or two other in the kitchen right. and they all have different color themes like right. all the lighting is specifically this color clothing shades change everything sort of changes to this either red green um, white like so it'll be a red room and they're wearing yeah, red yeah, and yeah. all that well I'm, i mean i can't remember maybe they're in neutral colors like white and white and things so i picked up the shades yeah. or whatever but um but the the decor and all the lighting is like specifically that but it's shade. just to key off what you were saying with dune this is also interesting because you're yeah. really noticing yeah. the design side of things which i'm very yeah slow to notice well, well, that kind things. of stuff yeah. was like um it was so obvious that I was like, right, yeah. holy shit, you know, this, yeah. this has probably been done in other films, I'm just not noticing it. Right, um, yeah. And it's done here in a very specific way where, like, red for passion and, and, and kind of transgression, green for something slightly kind of sick and jealousy. So you could so totally key yeah, into yeah, the symbology key, can, at that key, age. Yeah, yeah. And, and I was starting to go, oh my goodness, this is like... And so that was that sort of expanded my sort of sense of what film could be as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, there was the kind of the oddball narrative where you've got this dude who's just like an obese crime lord who's all terrible and is what and he's really awful to his wife and um and does who's helen Mirren's character and he's like forces her he's got some weird sexual perversions and he forces her to kind of shove things in her vagina but like you don't see all the stuff that you right. hear about and then, all, it's funny of all that i've heard lots about what happens in cook the thief and i've never heard that bit yeah but I, i've heard what comes later wine bottle plastic train yeah all sorts of weird Right, wow. And then, um, but then, so she starts this love affair with a guy um, in the restaurant bathroom that she bumps into, and they have this sort of thing going in. And then um, the gangster finds out, you know, and and things go from there. But they're like the big thing you probably heard about. Sorry, spoilers. Probably abound. Whatever. You know, it's an old film. Jump ahead a minute if um, you don't want to know. Uh, and and so they end up. Um, uh, he ends up killing her lover, and so to get him back, um, because he's already dead, she makes the the cook cook him up and feed him to her husband and his his gangster friends without right. them knowing and then when they finally find out and then they get killed so yeah it's a, like in a revenge yeah but that that, well, that sort of woo, blew my mind out in terms of oh my okay there's a lot more here films that aren't showing in the cinemas so much yeah, uh, yeah. Search out that, yeah. that are doing really interesting stuff and, and it appealed so yeah yeah I stuck clear of that <laughs> so while you're aware of all this stuff I'm sort of dimly aware but so like I go I go from Detroit I go to Rice University in Houston and I immediately fall in with a bunch of music people and yeah. I, I have no regrets about this right we you know I saw so many bands I played in a band oh, wow. you know like three times a week it's like oh let's go see the Jesus Lizard or you know yeah. let's go see No Means No or let's go see Trenchmouth or you know bands nobody's heard of that like are opening on a Monday night and get a encore because they're just like so amazing yeah, and they yeah. just showed up in town for the first time and that was how you made it in the 90s you yeah. just you know you just went around and yeah. you know evangelized town by town and you know if you were good you did that and mm. so and I remember there were so many times where I'd you know I'd, I'd, I'd be aware of you know like oh I should see things like I went and saw shortcuts and right. you know stuff but like I had a friend who was like you know we we're gonna go see some some band he's like well, no, but it's a once-in-a-lifetime chance to see Terry Gilliam's original cut of Brazil, you know, at the yeah. Museum of Fine Arts. And I'm like, yeah, but there's a band playing. You know? <laughs> and, and, you know, this publicist called up the radio station where I wound up spending a lot of my time oh, and yeah. be, eventually became music director at. And they're like, 
do you guys want to do an interview with this film director, Adam McGoyan? Um, <laughs> and he's like, Adam McGoyan? We don't really do interviews. And yeah, I don't think I know his stuff. But, you know, he, no, he's kind of a big deal. Do you want to ask around? I'm like, sure, I'll ask around. He, you know, Exotica? Okay, whatever. That, that sounds like porn. Uh, you know? <laughs> and I, just, I don't think I ever even called them back. And it's yeah. just like, oh, well. you know, we could have had like, I could have, you know, <laughs> with, even there, if there had been one person who had been like, oh, let's just do like, 10 minutes once a week about film and then yeah, yeah. suddenly been like actually you know yeah <laughs> anyway also on campus you don't know a, what you don't there's know. a whole set of 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 film history film production yeah. courses i take none of them um <laughs> there's a dedicated uh cinematech as well wow that, really uh, friday well i i mean it, like yeah. they 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 have a they have a screening theater yeah. and every friday and saturday night they show films yeah. um but i'm like if I go see a film the whole time, it's the guys at the chemistry lecture hall where they're like, yeah. we're showing Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yeah. We're showing I Come in Peace or whatever, you know, as opposed to like, you know, these kind of, what are these uh, these Russian films that, I don't know, yeah, yeah. Tar something or other, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, um, I'm going to go see Sonic Youth. Bye. Um, <laughs> and so second semester, senior year, I um, briefly date um, or something. It's I don't even know what it was. But, you know, that, that yeah. thing when you're young and yeah. like you ha- spend a lot of time with someone, you're maybe or maybe not dating them. And um, she happens to be really into film. And we go on this road trip and we talk about music and film. And she starts asking about this film by Hal Hartley called Trust. I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And so we get back from the trip and um, immediately, and this is like Texas to New Mexico. So at the end Uh of this 18-hour drive, we go to a blockbuster and rent trust and gas food lodging. And this is about three weeks before I'm supposed to graduate. And we put in trust first. And immediately it like links to that sex lies and videotape thing only even more stronger. Because you may not have heard of Andy McDowell, but you look at Andy McDowell and you're like, that's a Hollywood actor. You know, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It, it's still kind of recognizably, yeah, yeah. and it's still recognizably people of a different station, different yeah. life. Whereas Adrian Shelley and Trust, who's, in, I think, introduced first in the film, as I recall, you know, is mm. not a Hollywood yeah. starlet. She's just, you know, the, this, this girl, and and then she meets this moody guy who's a recluse who's into books and stuff like mm. that, played by Martin Donovan. And, um, you know, there's just such specificity to it, the, the kind of, the tone of it and mm. um, the obvious low budget of it, it all feels like so- it feels like something that you could really, yeah. really do. And and my friend was, you know, looking. He was a couple years younger, but taking film classes and all this stuff. Oh. Um, and this is also around the time that you know, it's like post Clerks came out in '94, yeah. and I and I went to see that at one point. Yeah. And you know, there's a lot of these suddenly like no budget movies, Spike Mike Slacker Dykes era yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. stuff. Um, you know, like El Mariachi was around oh, yeah. then. Um, you know, there's a, there's a bunch of little films. Slacker, of course, would have mm. been a similar sort of time. And so it's suddenly like the idea that you don't have to yeah. have all this apparatus. And so this is the film that suddenly it's like, boom. And um, and so we go to a couple things. We wind up going to a screening of Walkabout at the um, oh, yeah. at that cinematheque. I'm like, whoa, this is crazy. And she yeah. gives me a list of like 60 films that I'm supposed to watch and some of them, like The Horse Thief, I'm like, what is this? It's some yeah, Chinese yeah. film. And some of them are like Taxi Driver, yeah. Three Colors Red, yeah, yeah. yeah, the whole Three Colors trilogy. Um, yeah. I forget all, but I just, you know, I'm just like, oh my God, you know, I just yeah, like yeah, yeah. Absor- you know, absorb this whole thing. And so a couple months later, I graduate, uh, not even a couple months, a few weeks later, I graduate. I've got a job at a startup. Yeah. 
And I'm just like, what have I done with my life? <laughs> and I'm like, because suddenly I think like film is everything and I had four years and I blew it. Yeah. And now I'm at a job and it's really fucking boring. It's kind of interesting because I shouldn't even have a job because I'm a philosophy major. But it's 95, <laughs> uh, internet, IT. Yeah. I didn't even really talk about how good Trust is. Partic- I mean, that's another thing, how Hartway does his own music, you know. Oh, it's, wow, yeah. And so the soundtrack was really striking. And yeah. so that, I think, maybe was another way in. Yes, but but yeah. I, I think, and it is, a, it just is, it's definitely aged in a way that I think a lot of people, I think it actually might have come around where at some point I'd be like, oh, this is a bit stylized and old. And now yeah. I think it actually, the specificity of the style and his choices will have yeah. risen again yeah. to the fore because naturalism in certain ways has been such a fetish yeah. for so long that it's actually like, oh, well, and enough time has passed that yeah. the choices will seem more interesting. Um, and so, you know, I watch all the Hell Hartley films. I do a trip to Austin to go see flirt because it doesn't get a local screening in this uh, well. cinema um you know am- amateur comes out there's all these i've and i you know that i'd have to like sit down with like a release table and all these things to actually cr- put them all in the right chronology meanwhile have you figured out who adam mcgoyan is and how you should have said <laughs> i i have watching i think i think exotica was on that list and yeah. the adjuster and i'm just like you know, it's just like, you know, it's just, yeah. the shoes keep dropping, yeah. the diamonds keep falling. I watch Brazil somewhere oh, along yeah. the way. Um, I watch Burden of Dreams and I get introduced to Herzog and it's just oh, like, yeah. oh my God, you know. Yeah. Um, I What I do when I start having this panic attack, more mm-hmm. or less, I, that like I should have, I'm like, should I go to film school? And I'm like, no, you've just started, you're probably just like getting used to it. And then I kind of have this back and forth dialogue. And then eventually what I do is I say, okay, what do people in film school do? They make films. This is 96 yeah. or something. I can't really make a film. You know, I, you know, there's... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they read books about films. That's good. I can do that. I like yeah. books. I like, you know. Yeah. And they watch films. And so I get, okay, I'm going to watch 300 films a year. And I didn't hit that most years, but it was kind of a... A goal, yeah. Thing, yeah. And because, and because I assume that the films that they're watching at film school are not, mm. like, whatever's on at the multiplex. I focus on the big things this is actually just getting to number five i start with 300 and um, one of the very first things is just as i'm starting this the local art house theater is doing a satyajit ray um oh. retrospective so um, one of the very first films i go to is pather panchali which is the very first film in the apu trilogy oh right i don't think i've seen any of them um the apu trilogy I, it was the first time i'd seen an indian film yeah it was the first time i'd seen an old black and white film, probably not the first time, but like yeah, yeah. certainly like kind of it was the first of anything that was on a sight and sound list that I'd yeah, seen. You yeah. know, I I and um and it, it they were the sort of films that didn't immediately appeal to me. I mean, things that were more recent, like you know, yeah. Three Colors. You know, it's like oh yeah, you know, it's still yeah. quite you know yeah. even and and stuff like Walkabout. Yeah, that was more Avanti and it's still mm. in color. You know, but mm. you see Pather Pachali, which is just this very simple. Honestly, told story very. It makes you think you're there in that mm. kind of not particularly educated mm. viewers thing. It takes you into a completely alien world, you know, rel- you know, middle to upper middle class person that I was that had never really had much to worry about, and suddenly bring brought into Indian villages. And I haven't revisited it since then, so I, mm. I, I, it's not like I can really break it down. But that was kind of like shift from world cinema is this vague, yeah. ominous worthy but boring kind of thing because yeah, yeah. you know in music i was kind of like you know punk rock and yeah. kind of all that stuff and i hated classical and all yeah. that it's kind of a weird thing of that dynamic that it's like music i hated yeah classical but you know books and stuff i was like oh the classics yeah, yeah. um 
So that's that's just a symbol for all the world, you know, everything, Yojimbo and yeah. Brisson, you know, I mean, yeah. and I would have these weekends where it'd be like, what did you do this weekend? It's like, oh yeah, I saw um, Yojimbo, Breathless, Persona, and, you know, two other films like that yeah, for the first time yeah. ever. It's just like, you know, and, yeah. and it's that amazing thing that you can do when you're that age and you yeah. don't know that those films aren't you know, going to keep coming at you yeah, like yeah, yeah. that. That's one of the reasons that I think with, you know, no matter what age you get into it, there all the discoveries are often clustered quite quickly because yeah. one feeds off another. And you're like, yeah. oh, cinema can do this and it can do that and it can do yeah. this. So my number six actually is not about that, though. And it is also Full Metal Jacket, weirdly oh, enough. Oh. We did not talk about this before. Um, and again, it's not my favorite Kubrick film. It's no, not I've... my which is 2001, and it wasn't, you know, Clockwork Orange introduced me, you know, like, in terms of, like, oh my god, he's an important filmmaker, yeah. even though Clockwork Orange is never a film that I've liked very much. And and this is getting a w- bit sideways and personal, but I'll go there, you know. I'm, as I'm doing all this stuff, um, I'm really kind of struggling a lot, you know. I'm struggling at work, I'm struggling with what to do with my life, I'm... You know, I mean, in retrospect, it's one of those things that if I had a friend who was in that state, I'd be like, you know, you should probably go talk to somebody. You should probably. I didn't. And I didn't. I, I don't know why I didn't. I don't, you know, just whatever it was. And somewhere along that way, I saw Full Metal Jacket. Hmm. And. And somehow that first third of Full Metal Jacket became my lifesaver, because if I was in a really bad place, I would put it on. And at the end of that, after, as we've already spoiled, he blows his head off, I would say, okay, my life is not that bad. Mm. I can go on with this. I, there are worse things out there in the world. Mm. And so I probably watched it 23 times in a year. Um, and so it's weirdly like my, mo- and like, which is not, pro- I mean, you know, I mean, the things that are famous about that are, you yeah. know, like earlier me talking about, yeah. you know, the indignities he's going to do on people's yeah. opticals, you know, eye sockets and stuff. <laughs> yeah. But... You know, I, I think, you know, different, different people say, you know, people often talk mm. about, like, a film saved my life or a song saved my life. And often it's quite hyperbolic, you mm. know. Um, but I think if there is a movie that, like, and I don't want to be too hyperbolic, but, yeah. you know, the closest a film has ever come to saving my life is probably Full Metal Jacket, which if Stanley Kubrick were alive today, he would be fucking perplexed about yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and I don't know if I, you know, there, you know, if, if you met like Zach Braff or something, you're like, oh, Garden State saved my life. You know, you lead with that because that's, yeah. like, oh, that's so wonderful because I just wanted to touch people and, yeah. you know, t- tell them the shins were special. I, I don't think, I don't think Cooper, I, I, yeah, it's yeah. not even that I don't think Cooper can't this. I know that that was yeah. not any yeah. interest yeah. of his, yeah. but it's, it's that, you know, I mm. mean, um, my friend Alistair and I often talk about that. One of the things about communication is there are always more messages received than sent yeah. because you can only send a message with what's inside you and yeah. your experience and all of that. But inevitably, everybody has their own yeah. experience within them that takes, you know, even the simplest of sentences. If it happens, if you could just say, thank you. And if somebody's parent or somebody who hurt them said them that way, that will send chemicals through yeah. them in a way. And so I find that this sort of fascinating power that you take these these films that mm. even the most inept and horrible and cynical and whatever they are, you yeah. know, it can land with any viewer in the most unexpected and powerful ways. And that's mm. pretty interesting. Yeah. So we're halfway through these lists. And yeah. this is wound up being a lot more in-depth 
chat than I um, had anticipated. But yeah. should we make this a two-part? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll come back to our, our second part as we go into adulthood. Yeah, that, yeah. that sounds good. We'll uh, come back to us soon to find out what happens. I won't say when we grow up, because that would imply yeah. that we've grown up. But uh, as our bodies get older, let's put it that way. Yeah. Cool. Till cool. next time, this is Doug. This is Jacob. And this has been Best Worst Podcast. Podcast. That's the cat. Someday the world will learn that fires we don't put out will bigger burn. We must save freedom now at any cost, or someday our own freedom will be lost.